Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today, we continue with our journey with Paul in Jerusalem. As we go through the word today, I encourage you to visualize yourselves in those scenes, sometimes from a third-person perspective or even imagine yourselves as one of the characters, be it Paul or the Roman commander or one of the Jews. I realize this can be quite powerful as we try to empathize and feel what the characters are feeling, which may make us more attuned to seeing God's work at hand. For example, in yesterday's podcast, if we imagine ourselves as Paul, we would better understand the feelings of depression he may have had, and hence appreciate more the timing and beauty of the Lord's appearance. So yeah, soak yourselves in movie mode and do some role-playing. But don't go too far though in reenacting the scenes. I mean, Paul gets punched in the face and you wouldn't want to find someone else to punch yours just to feel the physical pain of Paul. Anyway, jokes aside, I encourage you to do that today and as we uncover, uncover a plot set out by the Jews to assassinate Paul. We'll be doing Acts chapter 23 verses 12 to 22. Acts chapter 23 verses 12 to 22. Let us pray. Father, prepare our hearts and minds as we read your word today. Help us soak in the experience of the events that occurred in the Bible and through that, teach us your ways that they may transform the way we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 23 verses 12 to 22. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul caught one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand drew him aside and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning, don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we take a look at the hardened hearts of the Jews and God's providence. How everything is in God's total control as he moves various pieces to do his will. We start off with a huge conspiracy involving more than 40 men, all Jews. Now that's a humongous number. And here they gathered to plot against Paul and 
it's not just a simple plan to kill with them saying things like okay well here's a plan let's just try this they actually bound themselves to an oath not to eat or drink until they kill Paul other Bible translations use the word curse instead of oath and these translations derive from the Greek word anathema. These Jews, when they put themselves under anathema, it more accurately means putting the heaviest curses upon themselves, their souls and their families, if they fail to kill Paul. Such was their determination and thirst for blood. They were never going to stop until Paul is dead. It is scary to think how they could manifest such hatred in their hearts. What had Paul done to them? Here we see again how scary the condition of the human heart can be, though they belong to the church. Now, these Jews, I admittedly assume, all of them belong to the Jewish church. They are not Christians because they do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they do not believe in having one fellowship with the Gentiles, but they believed in Judaism. In fact, that was what created this problem in the first place. The Jews believed in the Old Testament, and you would think, at least with the similarities in theology, that they would be more open to receiving Christ, as compared to one who did not hear of or know of, who did not hear of the God of Moses before. But no, because of their hardened hearts, they were not ready to receive Christ. They belonged to the institution of church, yet their hardened hearts prevented them from entering the kingdom of God. And there were so many opportunities. This is not because of the lack of opportunities as well. Paul tried to reach them at every turn, but they reject Christ every single time. Now, this scares me because of the similarities between them and us. Before Christ came, they were God's elected people and for them to have such hardened hearts show that we are very much prone to it as well. We may think it's something very far-fetched because surely we won't plot to kill someone. But there are parallels in terms of what we choose to believe and live out. Pastor shared before in the Matthew podcast series that just because we belong to the institution of church doesn't spare us from having hardened hearts. And when we have hardened hearts, we close our doors on some of the most important truths that may allow us to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this prompts a very serious reflection in our lives, maybe even down to the basic question, do we believe in Christ? And of course, all of us would say yes. Pastor also shared with us the terms professed theology and lived theology. Our professed theology says we believe, we believe in Christ, but does our lived theology say the same? It is said that if we truly believe, we will experience a transformation in the way we live our lives and the desire to seek after God. But do we have that? Now, I honestly didn't expect to take this podcast to such a serious level of contemplation, but this is something I've been pondering over a lot recently. The Jews perceived themselves to be God's people 
and were convinced that they would go to heaven. We are the same as well. I just shudder to think that, to think what, what if my heart is more hardened than I think it is? Yes, we have the assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. But I encourage all of us to ponder over this part regarding the condition of our human hearts. Now, I apologize for the somber atmosphere and perhaps let me try, try to lighten the mood a little as we continue. So, these 40 plus men went to the chief priests and elders and shared their monstrous plan, seeking the help of the Sanhedrin to get Paul to yet another, yet another trial. However, this time, they were not planning to question Paul in court like the previous time because they knew they had nothing on him. No clear reason for his arrest. No solid evidence. He was arrested because of the riots when they were the ones who caused it and they could not prove anything. So they knew it would end the same way as the previous trial. Therefore, together with the high priest and elders, they conspired to kill Paul when he makes his way to the court. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? To make sense of this craziness, just, just imagine this. Imagine Pastor Ming Li, our high priest, and our church leaders. And they all conspired together with 40 plus of our church members to murder a returning church member. This returning church member who 15 years ago was our member left us for ministry elsewhere and joined us again after 15 years. And this group of people conspired to murder that church member just because this church member urged us to minister to other non-believers rather than keep the faith exclusive to ourselves. I know that's not a perfect analogy, and but yeah, that's how ridiculous it sounds. You know that this will never happen. Pastor, our church leaders and members would never plot to kill a returning church member. But that's what happened in Paul's time. Oh, well, after this analogy, you you may never view Pastor the same way again, imagining him as a murderer. I'm sorry, Pastor, and sorry, church leaders, since I promised to lighten the mood just now, so had to use you all as part of this dark humor. And I, yeah, I just realized my salary's at stake right there. Uh, oh well, let's continue. So things do not look very good for Paul at all. With so many conspiring against him, the odds of escaping are very low. But this is where we start to see God's divine providence. Out of nowhere, it was mentioned that Paul had a sister and a nephew. And it just so happened that his nephew was there to hear this plot. Now, we, we basically know nothing about Paul's family or that he even had any before this. And this is the only mention of Paul's relatives in the whole Bible. Think about this. Of all the people that could be there eavesdropping on the plot, it had to be Paul's nephew. What were the odds? Do we now see God's hand at play here? If we don't see it yet, let's go on further. Paul's nephew somehow finds his way to Paul's prison. In the King James Version, the barracks that Paul was in was said to be a castle. Now, many Bible scholars were trying to debate how Paul's nephew gained such easy access to Paul. Looking at, our, looking at our prisons today, 
are we able to just pay anyone a visit whenever we want? Granted, our security today is more fortified than in the past, but surely even in those times, not, not just anybody can waltz in and talk to any prisoner there. But amazingly, somehow, this happened. So Paul learned of this plot via his nephew. If you were Paul, how would you have felt at this point? Hearing that so many people are trying to kill you. Do you fear for your life? Paul probably was not afraid, because the Lord appeared to him and said that he had to testify in Rome. Paul knew this promise would come to pass, and that he would not die by the hand of the Jews. Yet, he did not just sit back and relax either. Paul knew clearly that God sent his nephew to him for good reason, and was prompted into action. I mean, if we were Paul and we had so much faith in God's direct intervention, maybe we could have retreated to the corner of our prison cell and continued to shake our legs and maybe we would have said to our nephew, no worries, thanks for informing me, but God will protect me. Well, if that were to happen, Paul prob probably would have been dead by now and we know that's not how the story goes. Instead, Paul called one of the centurions and requested that he take his nephew to the Roman commander. This reminds me of the famous story of the drowning man who prayed for God to save him. And, and I believe most of you have heard of this story before, where there was this flood and the man was trapped on the rooftop of his house. God sent help three, three times in the form of a canoe, a motorboat and a helicopter. However, the man who was about to drown waved away the help each time, saying that he had faith that God will save him, so he did not need the help of those people. In the end, he finally drowned, and in heaven he asked God, Why didn't you save me when I had faith in you? And God just replied, Well, I, I, sent, I answered your prayer and I sent help three times, but you ignored, you ignored my sending of those people. And... Paul not only had faith, he was also attuned to recognizing God's designs and the people that God sends to him. Now, talking about recognizing God's providence, several other amazing things happened. We may not make much of the action of Paul calling the centurion and making a request, but a centurion is actually a position of authority, one who takes charge of a cohort of soldiers. Why would such a person listen to Paul? Under normal circumstances, Paul should not be the one calling him over and making him do things, but the other way around. Yet somehow, the centurion followed a lowly prisoner's request. And finally, the Roman commander. If you were the Roman commander, would you bother listening to a boy? Furthermore, this is regarding a matter of utmost importance with high stakes. Somehow, the Roman commander bothered entertaining and listening to Paul's nephew. Well, if I didn't know the Bible and if this scene were to be made into a movie, and I watched this scene happening in the movie, I would have exclaimed, such poor, such poor, poor script writing. Since when would you see a military commander receiving the audience of a boy? At least send an adult instead. But yet, all this happened in reality. Now, what's intriguing to me is that 
I realized and I realized that I, I would not have noticed God's providence if I didn't have the privilege of going into in-depth study of this scripture text while preparing for the podcast. When we were reading the verses at the start of the podcast, how many of us noticed the divine power at play? We probably would not think too much about it because nothing spectacular really happened. However, God often enables the supernatural to work in natural ways. I say that again. Supernatural work is at play, but God carries them out in such natural ways. Paul's nephew happened to listen in on the plot. He then managed to find his way to Paul's prison. The centurion followed Paul's request, and the commander bothered to listen to Paul's nephew. If we, if we view these events individually and in silos, it all seems very normal and natural. Yet, we know how it had to be supernatural for all these things to come together in order to save Paul eventually. Much as we marvel at God's designs and his management of the world, we also ask ourselves, how much of an issue is it if we as Christians are not able to recognize the work of God because they happen so naturally. Sometimes we don't recognize the supernatural unless we see some kind of spectacular phenomenon. So how, how can we become like Paul, able to discern God's work so clearly? Perhaps we can spend some time every day to observe our surroundings. Maybe pay more attention and spend more time thinking whether the things we observe could possibly be God's work. Perhaps we can practice identifying blessings in our lives and maybe then we may become more attuned to sensing God and recognizing the hand of God in very natural circumstances and not only in the spectacular. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your holy providence. So often we take our safety and our living conditions for granted without realizing that in this messy world, it is actually very easy for many things to go wrong. Chaos should have been the norm, but yet it is because of your design we manage to live safely and comfortably. You are a God who protects and a God who provides. You are sovereign and all things in this world are under your control, though we may not understand it all the time. Lord, help us to recognize your works, to identify your blessings every day. Let us not take your work for granted because they happen so naturally. Maybe we are not able to see them because of our hardened hearts. We pray then that you reveal to us the hardness of our hearts. Help us to see that. Help us to see if our hearts have gone cold, hard or dry. Help us realize this when we see those in need and if we happen to be indifferent to them. May your Holy Spirit then prompt us to make us realize how our hearts have turned cold and put in us a desire for change. 
a desire for softening of hearts. And as we desire for a softer heart, we then pray that we can be more compassionate to others, to be more in tune with the spiritual realm, to admit that there are spiritual battles in our lives if we fail to acknowledge them at first. Father, at this point, we want to pray for our loved ones as well who have yet to know Jesus Christ. We pray that you soften their hearts too, to be open to hear about your word and to consider and reflect on the love shed. We have, we have friends and family who believe there is a God, but they do not know which God to worship. We pray for them to try to seek a God that they can be in a relationship with and also a God who understands and experiences their pain so that in their search, they will be led to Jesus. We have other loved ones who refuse to acknowledge the realm of supernatural and believe that there is no God. We pray that you soften their hearts too and open their minds. There are those who may have known you, Lord, but chose to drift away, maybe due to the hurts that they may have faced. But Lord, we pray for healing we pray that you heal their broken hearts and remind them of the love and peace that only you can offer. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, thank you for listening once again and let's meet again on this podcast tomorrow. Have a blessed day and goodbye.